You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We are about to break the surly bonds of gravity and punch the face of God. I wish I was a little Left Jab Productions present Edge of Sports Radio, where sports and politics collide. And now your host, Dave Zarn. The Schmada Kid. Boom! Edge of Sports Radio, where sports and politics collide. I am definitely not Dave Zirin. Neither is this great man over here, Coach Kevin McNutt. How you doing, Coach? Hey, man. What's going on, buddy? Dave is in Seattle right now. He's either helping or plotting against the Seahawks right now. I'm not really sure. <laughs> oh, is that right? I, I heard he was uh, in Utah trying to get a 10-day contract with the Jazz. So, so this is new information for me. Well, I mean, who wouldn't want to use a uh, five-five-five-seven? I don't know what <laughs> yeah. what height yeah. what height he's at. Center from the Bronx or Brooklyn, from wherever the Bronx. he's from. We've heard know. it all. We've heard it <laughs> all. all. Right. We're going to get into plenty of basketball talk today. We got Seku Smith and the Hang Time Blog coming on later. We'll talk about the association, the Hawks. Are mm-hmm. they the best team in the NBA right mm. now? I don't know. There's a ton of teams in the West. This could be the best. I feel like every single year we say this might be the best Western Conference of all time. Mm-hmm. This might be the best Western Conference <laughs> of all time. It's unbelievably good. The All-Star Game's coming up. John Wall, is he going to start? Uh, oh. Mm. Good good question. Good question. <laughs> he should. I mean, he's had a great year. He's had a yeah. fantastic year, and so has the league on its own. We'll probably talk to Seku a little bit about this as well. Ten, uh, excuse me, eleven franchises are worth at least a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. Coach, mm-hmm. do you have anything worth a billion dollars? Uh, <laughs> just, just my smile, baby. Just if my you smile. had a billion dollars, <laughs> what would you buy? That's 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 maybe the most important question. Oh man, I wouldn't mind. You know what? That, that's an intriguing question. I mean, who who doesn't want to be an owner? It's it's it, it, you know, it's on some level, don't you? If you can dance like Steve Ballmer, oh, I want to be an owner. <laughs> that guy has the moves. And Patrick Ruby, we will also be talking to a vice sports. Tons going on. A little thing in the NFL. If you haven't been watching the news, 
deflate gate, oh, another one of these gates, another one of these absolutely ridiculous stories surrounding yeah. the Patriots. Right. So, oh my God, right. it's a Bella right. cheat, right. Bella check, whatever you want to say. <laughs> it's just so ridiculous. I, I, I can't stand it, but there were some real football games. We're definitely going to get into that. Right. Free agency in baseball, starting mm-hmm. to happen. Mm-hmm. Max Scherzer, richest deal in history for a right-hander. Right, right, right. Hey, look, I want to talk about Coach K. He's going to go 1,000 1, this weekend. And, uh, you know, against— uh, About the amount of years that you've been alive, Coach. Oh, my. Well, so, you and Dave, you know. Can't I'm escape it. Can't escape it. This is Edge of Sports Radio. You can follow us at Edge of Sports Radio. Nice we have done. a ton going on, and we'll be back right after I'm gonna this. I'm pay you back on that. Edge of Sports Radio with Dave Zirin. We'll return after this. Dave Zirin returns on Edge of Sports Radio, where sports and politics collide. Boom, we're back here on Edge of Sports Radio. An emphatic boom yeah, for you, Coach. I, I, An emphatic yeah. boom. <laughs> See if I can keep that up the whole show. You never know. But right. uh, DC Dan here with Coach Kevin McNutt. Dave is out. Seattle, Utah, I don't know. He's on the West Coast, leaving us in charge, so you know it's going to be a good show. Right. We're going to get to Patrick Ruby in a little bit. We're going to get to Seku Smith in a little bit. Talk about Deflategate, talk about the NBA. But there was... An actual football game yep. this past weekend. There are two of them, yep. but there's one that's not really getting talked about at all, which was either the best football game we've seen in a while or the worst football game we've seen in a while. Either way, the end was very, very exciting. It was compelling. Mm-hmm. Help me out, Coach. Was it good? Was it bad? <laughs> Packers, Seahawks, that uh, was ugly football. Uh, well, I mean... <laughs> Sixteen nothing at the half. That's not a kind of score that's gonna you know set you on fire. Five turnovers but, each. Yeah, the, the turnovers. I, I can. I didn't know who Russell Wilson was when I was watching that. But you know what? And, and I want to come back to that. But you know what, DC? I, I, something's bothering me, and I just want to throw this out and see. Uh, we'll get back to, to the Seahawks, but something. A couple things happened that just kind of tickles me, and it's ESPN as always, and it's just the branding of their guys that never played the sport. Uh, now here's one. Mel Kuyper. Now, here's what happened, uh, D.C. You remember when Jameis jumped, Jameis Winston, Florida State quarterback, jumped on the table or whatever he did in the, in the, in the cafeteria, right? All right. The reports came out that, well, and I think it was Todd McShay, mm-hmm. uh, Mel's rival, said, well, talk to a couple of GMs. Maybe his stock is dropping, so forth and so on, and that you know he's, he's, he's down in the late mid-round, first round. So the table was only a couple of feet. If it was maybe forty inches, then you could say, "Hey, look, look at his, look at his vertical. Maybe that would help us stop." Right, but it was it was a, it was a slur and all that. So anyway, so Mel comes on the next day and he's in full rant and he's 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 about his brand and saying, "Hey, Jameis Winston is just. I mean, he's dropping like a rock in water. He is now. You know what? I've talked to a couple of people. He might not even be a first round pick anymore." Fast forward six weeks later, I received a crawl. Mel Copper's mock mock draft, Jameis Winston number one. Of course, of course. <laughs> I mean, I guess when I saw it, Dan, I just said, come on, Kuiper. What are you doing? You are just marketing your brand right now at Winston's expense. It's twenty four. It's the 24-7 news cycle, and there's a lot of good things that ESPN does, and yes. there's a lot of bad things that they do. And, and, and something like this is just, why do we need to talk about NFL draft for the entire year, it really doesn't matter. <laughs> Even the fir- beginning of the college season, unless com- someone gets injured or someone throws for, I don't know, 700 yards in the game, maybe, is that actually going to impact his right. s- stock? No. It's the, it's the fact that there's so much dead air to fill. 
of course, a couple people, I'm sure there were a couple GMs who said, you know what, maybe after that incident, I don't want to draft him. Well, there's a lot of really terribly run football teams. Right. So there's going to be people who are right. going to use that and say, right. I'm not going to draft him because of that one incident. But right. I'm <clears> sure if he said, well, the other, I don't know, 28 GMs or, or, or his sources told him, I'm sure they would have said, oh, of course we're going to take James Winston number one overall if we're in that position. He's going to go number one overall probably to to the Bucs or have the number one spot. Yeah, Yeah. he's going to stay in Florida. How do you pass it up, especially marketing for a team that really just is in a poor sports area? It's a perfect fit for them. But I just just, just thought it was overkill on Kyber's part. And here's the other one and and leading into the, uh, the playoff games. So now you have Patriot Gate or deflated football gate. So Michael Wilbon who goes off. And he has the audacity, and this is just crazy. He said, if they're found guilty, they should not be allowed to play in a Super Bowl. Now, <laughs> come on, man. That's not even realistic. Come on. And, and look, and this was repeated on the CBS Morning News because they were talking about it. And they said, okay. And I just I just dropped. And just, what are you talking about, man? Now, First of all, they won 45-7. I don't know how many deflated footballs. It sounded like the Colts weren't doing any tackling. And well, there was a Colts player, don't have the name off the top of my head, said if they played with soap balls, they still would have beat <laughs> right, us right, right, right. by probably 45-10. Right. to 10. Right. The, But the, Wilbon the actually is, said they should be removed from the Super Bowl. They should be Come on, from the Super man. Bowl. But anyway, so, so I did, I just so two things that really Seahawks, bother me. The, the, hey, <laughs> did, did, anyone, Colts? Yeah, did anyone follow him up? Do you put the Colts in <laughs> right. there? Do the Seahawks just automatically win the Super Bowl? That's absolutely ridiculous. Right, right, absolutely right. ridiculous. But now, here's the point I do want to ask you about. the um, Because the first the first half was pretty boring. second half picked up. Uh, and then you had uh, Seattle catch fire. Wilson made some plays down the stretch. Here's the question I want to ask you. What is the definition of choking? That's, that, that term's thrown around a lot. One of the definitions is that in a critical juncture of a sporting event, you don't do what you're supposed to do. You, you, you don't execute or you don't stay in your lane and do what you want to do. The young man, and I forget his name, who tried to catch the onside kick, his job, his sole responsibility was to block for some reason, and that's what I'm talking about, choking, and I, I hate to use the term, but for, for our conversation, he, because of the moment, got too big for him. He did something he, was, he shouldn't have did. He, he lunged for the ball. And if you watch the tape, Jordy Nelson is sitting there, all but in a fair catch position, waiting for that ball, game over. And you know what I'm saying? And then, okay, Seattle goes, scores, overtime, the, the pass, and, and the winning touchdown. Um, what what do you think about that? I mean, that's that is that is the epitome of not doing of the moment getting too big for you, which I guess it can be called by some choking. He choked on that play, but he's not the only reason that the Packers oh, lost Greek. that game. Absolutely. Yeah, if you're just saying in that vacuum of a play, did he choke? He choked. He he did the he did the wrong thing. He didn't execute. He didn't do not just what he was supposed to do. He did the wrong thing. Right. And to me, that's really what choking is more so, even than not doing what you're supposed to do. It's doing the wrong thing. And that was the wrong thing to do. If you miss a tackle, yeah, technically, does, does that mean you choke because you miss a tackle on, on maybe a game-winning touchdown drive or something? No, it doesn't mean you choke. It just means you didn't do your job on that play. But to do the absolute wrong thing, Right. Yeah, that's choking. Right. Unfortunately, he choked. He's clearly crushed right. by it. Right. I mean, you, you kind of feel for him a little bit. But also, anyone watching the game, 
They had plenty of chances to score. Mike McCarthy made some awful coaching decisions. I feel like every week with him, it's like, all right, Mike McCarthy, He what is he? Is he screwing up a timeout situation? Is he running it three times in a row uh, on the goal line when you have Aaron Rodgers? Are you kidding me? You have Aaron Rodgers. You have the best quarterback. Yes, I'm a Patriots fan. I said it. He's the best <laughs> quarterback in the game. Throw the ball. Right. Put it in his hands to win the game. He, ch- he choked on that play. It's really unfortunate, but it was far from just his responsibility to win that game. Mm-hmm. No, it, 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 it was a group effort uh, to allow the uh, Patriots to score the 15 points to tie or whatever the number it was because, like I said, the defense didn't stop anybody. And my, uh, my question but, back for you, though, uh-huh. is especially with this whole rhetoric of, of choking and not also in sports lexicon being clutch, the definition mm-hmm. of being clutch. Was Russell Wilson clutch or was he just really bad and, and, and – the Packers, it's always, did he win it or did, did they lose it? I don't really like that term, but Russell Wilson, do you give him credit for for the entire game? Let's look at the entire game. I don't want to talk about the last, just the last thing. Mm-hmm. What, what's your take on Russell Wilson? Well, I mean, he, wasn't on, he wasn't on his game. He was having a best game. But look, he, he's, he's, he's got a Super Bowl under his belt. He, I think he's the only guy, what, in three years, three, three playoffs or something like that. Um, then he continued to fight. He continued to fight. He came out of it. And I'm going to tell you, man, we, what he did on the drive uh, to, uh, that he scored on, the second drive for Marshawn Lynch, and a two-point conversion. I mean, he was – yeah, that was a Hail Mary, but it was caught. And then on the overtime drive, the two 35-yard receptions were pinpoint passes. It was like you just said about uh, sometimes it's not a matter of choking. You just get beat by a better player. And Dr- Draymond Williams, I think, was a cornerback checking curse on the, play- on the pass. And he was all over. He was draped on him, and there was nothing he could do. And that was the, that that was the first was... completion to Curse. I think that right. the entire game right. that he was targeted, it was uh, three or four, four picks. Four times. Four uh, picks. An four, four targets, four picks. Yep. And, then, and then the pass. So, right. yeah, they came out big in the end. And, hey, you know what? They're going to the Super Bowl. you got to give a lot of props to that defense. I mean, that was the first, I, I think, through the end of, towards the end of the season, week 10 or 12, they're averaging about eight points a game allowed. Mm-hmm. Absolutely ridiculous. We'll get our picks next week, of when, course, when on the back. Super Bowl. Plenty of time to do that. Patriots, we're definitely going to get into that a little bit later on with Patrick Ruby. Talk about Deflate Gate, <laughs> the biggest non-story story, I think, maybe of all time. <laughs> I don't know. It's just absolutely ridiculous. You know what? As you said, 45-7. to 7, You can't argue with that. You can't argue with Tom Brady going to his sixth Super Bowl. I don't care if they ever win another game again in my life. Just win one more. Oh, my Please, goodness. please, please just win one more. So, but with that, we got to go to break. And when we come back, it'll be Patrick Ruby from Vice Sports. Edge of Sports Radio with Dave Zirin. We'll return after this. You're listening to Edge of Sports Radio with Dave Zirin. Boom! We are back here on Edge of Sports Radio. DC Dan along here with Coach Kevin McNutt. And Deflategate has really taken up the nation by storm. I, I apologize. I couldn't think of a better pun to say coming in here about that. But what better person to have talk about this? controversy, this latest controversy surrounding the Patriots, surrounding the NFL and all things because that's just what the league does best and also we're even going to touch on something new and awful that the NCAA has up their sleeves with our good friend of the show, Patrick Ruby of Vice Sports. Patrick, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. It's good to be back. Always a pleasure to have you on. Now, we're going to start with deflating story 
that really has just sucked the energy. And yeah, I'm going to come off as a little biased as a Patriots fan, but is this a story? or is it just two weeks before the Super Bowl? There's not that much to talk about. I I've seen articles on both sides, and I just I I can't tell. I don't know if it's an actual story or if this is just just nonsense. See, I think it's everything. It is a story. It is nonsense. It is filling that void before the Super Bowl. But but there is more to it. I mean, I'm here in Washington D.C. Right? Think of, think of this as we think about say some of the stupider or more ridiculous political gaffes and scandals that we have. Think about campaign season, right? Compare a political campaign season to sort of the NFL season or the pre-Super Bowl two-week gap. Think of how much time there is to say the same stuff over and over. Think of how bored all of us get. Think of how we need entertainment. And then think of how those dumb little scandals pop up, right, over and over again, stuff that everyone in the country is talking about for two or three days. Two or three weeks later, they don't even remember they were talking about it. Mm-hmm. I think this may fall into that same kind of category, which, again, doesn't mean it's not a story. Because if you also think about political gaffes, right, what do they usually have in common? Usually they catch fire. They tend to stick. They tend to become actual problems for candidates mm-hmm. when the gaffe reflects something larger that we all think or suspect about the candidate. So when Mitt Romney has the tape about, you know, 40-whatever percent of people in America being moochers. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of people looked at Mitt Romney before that and said, here's a rich guy who wants to be president to help out other rich guys, essentially. I, I'm simplifying it, but that was a real knock against him. He didn't really have any kind of common touch. He didn't really relate to average Americans. He was kind of a stereotypical, you know, rich Republican, right, to cut taxes on rich people sort of thing. When you hear that tape, it sort of jives with that. When you see the Patriots doing something, even if it's something minor like deflating balls that's against the rules, it jives with the whole perception that's already there about them being a cheating organization. <laughs> it goes back to Spygate. It goes back probably to people disliking the team for being good for a long time, disliking Belichick because he, you know, he seems to go out of his way to be dislikable, at least in public. I mean, there's sort of a lot that was already there. So I think people were primed to jump on this story. Speaking of Belichick and and however he comes across to people, uh, we record this show on a Thursday, so whenever you're listening to it, it was just a couple hours ago that Belichick went in front of the media and said, I had nothing to do with this. To do with this. I had no idea. I don't touch the balls during the game. I don't have anything to do with this. I've never told any of my players. I've never told my coaches to do anything to balls. It's funny because we're literally at the point of like, what did he know and when did he know it about ball deflation? Which is, which again, <laughs> is hilarious and ridiculous. Um, I mean, I think two things about it. I mean, I think one, on, on just sort of the straight, literal level answering a question, I think it's entirely possible that he wouldn't have known anything about this uh, for reading around uh, you listen to sort of former players talk about this. It seems like the doctoring of the balls is really a thing between the equipment managers, the ball boys, and the quarterbacks or the kickers and punters that are using the balls and, and actually have pretty specific preferences for what they like in a ball because, you know, that's their tool. That's what they work with. I mean, they're very sensitive to it. You know, I probably couldn't tell the difference between a slightly deflated ball and a slightly inflated ball, but I'm not an NFL quarterback. So obviously it matters, and if it didn't matter, there probably wouldn't be rules about it in the first place. Right. Um, but, you know, it's very possible he didn't know anything. It's also possible that he did, because, again, going back to Spygate and sort of the perception and the reality of Belichick, 
is, like most NFL coaches, he's a control freak. The other thing I think that's really interesting about this, this story is that I don't think you would have this in other sports necessarily. Maybe baseball, but in basketball, if this was happening, I think people would laugh and they would sort of move on after a day. I think that in the NFL in particular, it's, such a, it's a sport that is so marinated in its own self-seriousness that market mm-hmm. itself as something so much more than just entertainment. Mm-hmm. That you know, We saw this all through the season. We saw it with a much more serious issue, domestic violence. We saw it with Roger Goodell through his whole tenure as commissioner coming in and acting like he was going to be some sort of moral authority mm-hmm. and moral arbiter, not just of the game having integrity, which I guess in a way goes to this ball thing, but of players off the field. He's taken on this, this real sort of pseudo moral leadership role that really isn't appropriate for a sports commissioner mm-hmm. and it's probably only going to cause headaches and i think that the, because the nfl has sort of followed suit with that may it part of their marketing push uh when something like this happens it gets more attention than it probably would otherwise happy new year to you uh, patrick uh, always fop on the show here okay these are things that has happened in the nfl starting with the year and you can you can name a lot more than i can okay mm-hmm. they are throwing penalties on to deflect the concussion issue, they're throwing flags for defenseless players, even though uh, it's a stick, instinctive football plays, and he's pushing for 18-game schedule. That's one. They have an, right. a, they have an ill-fated plan that, that, that quietly disappeared where they want to have the rest throw flags for using the N-word on the field. Then they have a, a let's keep it quiet, make it, maybe a go-away uh, attitude about the fury over the racist Washington football name. Then they show, like you just mentioned, a, a total disrespect – disrespect, lack of compassion, and hands-off approach to domestic violence and women through the handling of the Ray Rice debacle. Diddle for Peterson and child abuse. The insulting uh, uh, intelligence sham of an investigation into into Goodell and the missing Rice film. I mean, all of these things, they just look like the the marketing is is, 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 um, romper room. You know what I'm saying? Trying to say? you, you, You nailed it, though. You nailed it right there. You said all these things, marketing. If you really think about it, what the NFL League office is, is a marketing company for football, in particular professional football, Mm. as put on by the NFL. That's all it is. All this other stuff is just whatever image they're trying to sell or whatever message they're trying to push to the public Mm -hmm. to encourage the public to keep watching and spending money on football. That's really Roger Goodell's only job. That's the job (laughs) of everyone there. You know, they, they've managed to sort of trick all of us in America into thinking there's something more there. The one common denominator, all the things you mentioned have in common, is that they're all things to some extent that could sort of damage public perception of the game or make people upset or maybe in some small way make people less likely to spend money on football. Right. And that's why you see the league, you know, flopping all over itself, trying to put out all those fires, trying to manage all those quote-unquote crises. Mm-hmm. because that's their job. That's what they exist to do. Um, I think if we all just look at them that way, you know, if you look at Roger Goodell as essentially a marketing executive, all this becomes a lot more easy to understand. Speaking of large bodies trying to protect themselves, I'm going to read the first paragraph of something that you posted on Twitter. It's kind of have you expand on, on really what's going on. Faced with potential changes that could impact universities of all sizes in all regions of the country, a group of 32 conferences today announced the creation of a coalition designed to protect and improve the student-athlete experience. What's going on with the NCAA? 
So technically, this press release is not from the NCAA. It's from all of the Division One conferences in the NCAA. They're forming a coalition. Now, first of all, the NCAA is just a coalition of schools, which are, and conferences are just coalitions of schools. So I don't know exactly what the difference here. The difference may be, <laughs> hey, America doesn't like the term NCAA anymore. Right. They have a bad opinion. Right. Let's repackage ourselves as something different. Uh, but if you dig deeper, just look at the name of this so-called coalition designed to, you know, it's, it's formed to protect and improve the student-athlete experience. Uh, look, what this is very clearly is that this is the school's seeing that change is coming. They're not stupid. They know that. They're getting their rears handed to them at antitrust court with O'Bannon. They're trying to appeal that. I don't know how successful that will be. There are more cases coming. Uh, Congress is starting to, like, make noise about what's going on in college sports, whether it's amateurism, whether it's the education and or lack thereof of, of college athletes. Uh, there's a lot of public criticism. You had Time Magazine calling for college athletes to be paid a year or so ago on its cover. I mean, this is a subject that is not going away, that is snowballing, and it's going in the wrong direction if you are a school or an athletic director or a coach who is very content with the status quo of having all the power and almost all the money. But what I think is so funny and ironic about this is there's a quote later on in this press conference, and I'm going to read it to you really fast and then explain why it's so ridiculous. It says here that under this coalition, Individual institutions and conferences will continue to make their own decisions about benefits and other items that fall under their individual purviews. This is ludicrous. The <laughs> whole reason that the NCAA is in court, that their whole economic system is under fire, is because it's a cartel. It's because schools can't make their individual decisions. All the schools have agreed to only compensate these valuable athletes with scholarships. That's it. They can't offer anything more. There's no competition. There is no individual decision-making. Uh, that's the whole problem. That's what all these reformers are really pointing to. Let the schools compete for talent, just like every, in every other job and every other aspect of society, just like everything else on college campuses, when it comes to coaches, when it comes to professors, when it comes to grad students who work in labs. When you have that kind of competition, and that's how we do it in America, it kind of raises standards for everybody. Hey, the closer we get to getting these athletes paid, I'm all for it, whatever it takes. We'll definitely have to have you on sometime soon to explain more and if there's any follow-ups to what's going on because this is obviously, as you said, it's not ending anytime soon, and hopefully athletes are getting money in their pockets for their work as soon as possible. Patrick Ruby from Vice Sports, thank you so much for joining us as always. Guys, thanks for having me. Thank you, Patrick. And coming up next, we got Seku Smith on NBA Hangtime Blog. Stay with us on Edge of Sports Radio. Dave Zirin will continue with Edge of Sports Radio after the break. Dave Zirin returns on Edge of Sports Radio, where sports and politics collide. Boom, we're back here on Edge of Sports Radio, where sports and politics collide. Daniel Baker, otherwise known as DC Dan, here hosting with Coach Kevin McNutt. And you know what that sound means, Coach, right? Yeah, but what? Yeah, I, I hear that. But that boom was really weak. I mean, Dave's not going to be happy with that boom. He might he was, not be he happy say, with it. He would say, cool, doesn't appreciate that one. But he's not here to say anything about it. Okay, <laughs> you're, you, right. you're right. You beat me to it. Sakey <laughs> Smith, NBA Hangtime Blog. Always a pleasure to have him on. There's a ton of stuff going on in the association, association, as we call it, and let's get right to it. The Atlanta Hawks, 
with the second best record overall in the NBA, the most wins in the NBA. Sekou, thanks so much for joining us at Sports Radio. Are the Atlanta Hawks for real? Yeah, I mean, we've crossed the, the halfway point of the season, um, so we've had more than enough time to look at them and, you know, and, and vet them as a legitimate team, you know, a legitimate big-time team. So, yeah, I don't think there's any doubt that they've, they've shown themselves to be a legitimate big-time team this season. And I think they're not alone. There's some other teams that have, that have jumped up into that mix this year, obviously, on both sides of the conference divide. And, you know, maybe it's time for a change. Maybe we're going to see some different teams hovering at the top of the standings for the next few seasons. Seiko, do you believe? Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm as skeptical as anybody. I mean, there's no one more cynical about, you know, teams making that leap than me. But, right. Uh, right. you know, you don't win the number of games they've won against the teams they've beaten and, and do it in convincing fashion the way they have and not brand yourself legitimate. Right. Um, they don't have a star that you can look at and say, this is their signature star. He's the one that makes them go. But I think that's what makes them effective. That they don't have to worry about that night after night. They don't have to rely on just one guy, right. and it takes them out of the realm of those teams that live and die with one, you know, with one star player. Look at New York. Look at some of the other teams that have been built on that model, right. and, and look how they're struggling right now. And by the way, happy New Year, brother. I ain't, I ain't talked to you a while. <laughs> yeah, happy New Year. <laughs> yeah. Nice to talk to you uh, on your blog, Sekou Smith Hang Time Blog. Hang time is that uh-huh. just catchy NBA phrase, or did you actually have hang time back in the day? <laughs> my hang time existed all of about 0.3 seconds. So, oh, okay. um, we needed a catchy, we needed a catchy phrase to you know ban the blog and that. You know, we didn't have Reggie Theus in mind. Right. We, didn't have any of that stuff. It was, we were just trying to come up with something that. Uh, that had a little hook to it. Now, so. now, see, I gave you street creds. My people, I tell them, I say, man, Sekou's on my show, and you know, on Dave's show, I host with Dave, and I say, the cat can play, man. That's hang time. Can't you understand? The man had hops. David Thompson-type nah. hops from back in the day. Now you tell me you couldn't play. You know what I'm nah. saying? Nah, man. I was, I was Floyd Jordan, man. I was... Uh, I was definitely the floor Jordan. The floor, the floor I Jordan. No I hop, but I had, uh, I was a cerebral guy. Though. I mean, I was the, I was the leader and the point guard all the time. I'm just messing with you. You know, I am. Uh, Dave's not here, so I gotta pick on somebody. Look. So here's my question, though. <laughs> um, I'm a, I'm a Jeff Green fan because you know I'm DC, Georgetown mm-hmm. man, and all. I'm always been a Jeff Green fan. Say, coo, I think that trade over to Memphis, and he'd run that three spot. And the three forwards, I think he's better than almost all of them outside of KD. And I think that might make that might lift Memphis to the conference finals, if not the conference championship. What, what say you? I don't know that I agree with you 100% on that. I think it was a very good move on the Grizzlies' part. They've been trying to get their hands on Jeff Green or somebody that could do the things he can do um, for quite some time. So when Boston started selling off assets, you know, in terms of live human assets, the Grizzlies jump to the front of that line, you know, mm-hmm. and he gives them a chance to complete their their rotation. And no offense to Tayshaun Prince, the guy who put in years of quality service around the league, but he's just not he's not that player at this stage of mm-hmm. his career. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not the guy you can put in that spot and expect him to play on an elite level on a consistent basis. Jeff Green still has a lot of question marks, you know, to, for a lot of people. Um He's one of those guys, you see him one night and think he's capable of 25 a night, then you see him go out and get 5 to 15 five straight games, you know, where you just you haven't seen the consistency uh, in his game that would warrant, you know, valuing him at the at the, the level, I think, that the Grizzlies do. But if you're Memphis and you already have all these other pieces in place, 
you feel really good about adding Jeff Green because you're not asking him to come in and be the savior. You know, you're not asking mm-hmm. him to come in and, and rescue. You want him to come in and complement what you already have and, and basically complete your unit and put you over the top. Now, looking at the Western Conference towards at least right under that line for the eighth spot with the Oklahoma City Thunder, it kind of seems that just common perception, just the the general feeling is that OKC is going to get into that spot. Phoenix is there right now. They're three games above OKC. What are better chances, OKC getting that eighth spot or Kyle Korver ever dunking again? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm going to definitely go with – the Thunder getting that spot. I mean, Kyle Corey got what one dunk in his last four seasons or whatever it is. First since 2012, um, last night. Yeah, I mean, we don't we don't need to get crazy with him getting in a dunk contest or anything like that. It's, that was just him showing off a little bit. I say, um, uh, you know, Oklahoma City is not a lot to get that to get into the playoffs. I don't, and I don't think anybody should assume anything given their injury history the past couple of years. You know, one false step by either Kevin Durant or Russell Westbrook. You know, and that takes them out of the mix, I think. That's that's how fragile their thing is right now. Um, I really like the Deion Waiters edition. I don't, you know, I don't know that he's James Harden in the making, but I do like that edition, uh, giving them another guy, in, you know, in that third spot as a scorer and facilitator and kind of a catalyst for him off the bench that if you can get him in a groove and he's playing well uh, within that system, he becomes a guy who – who's a real X factor for them. But there, there's so much of what they do is predicated on Russ and KD playing at an elite level at all times that the minute you take one of them out of their, out of their lineup, we've seen how that's forced them into struggling. And, you know, struggling in ways that really shouldn't be for a team with that kind of track record here recently and that kind of talent. One of the other major additions to the Western Conference and one of the contenders in the Mavs, my boy – Rondo going over there to Dallas. What kind of ceiling do they now have with Rondo running point? Well, I mean, it's, it's much like what they had when they had Jason Kidd there uh, won a championship a few years ago. You know, you you put a steady hand uh, running Rick Carlisle's system with Dirk and Whiskey and some complimentary pieces around him, and you're willing to go in the playoff battle against anybody because Carlisle's one of the best coaches. Uh, in basketball, probably one of the most underrated coaches in basketball, if you ask me, in terms of every guy they bring into that program, he finds a way to get what they need out of him. You know, not necessarily the best, but certainly what, what the Mavericks need to get out of a guy to be successful. Um, and, you know, if you have to match up with him in the seven-game series, that means you got Rick Carlisle scheming and manipulating situations to give his team a chance to win the same way they did against the Spurs last year in the first round, you know. Um I would argue the toughest series the Spurs had was against Dallas last year. So, again, you you give yourself a chance to compete at a high level. And with Rondo, you're doing it with a guy who's got loads of, you know, deep playoff experience, championship-level experience. So he's going to be, in you know, in those moments and not be hesitant at all to go out there and make plays and do what he knows, to, you know, just instinctively to do in those situations. All right. Here's Seku. Spot up for the three. I'm going to penetrate and kick it to you. Here's the question. The Cleveland Cavaliers. <laughs> That's it. Uh, <laughs> no, they, 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 uh, somebody, I was talking to somebody about the show today. You know, with, even with Atlanta pulling away from the pack in the East, if you look around and say, who's the one team that could get crazy hot in the second half and raise their game to another level? You know, Chicago would have a tough time doing it based on the way they play. 
Cleveland is the one group that could do it because they got the ultimate X factor, and they got LeBron. And when he's playing well and feeling good, as we've seen in these past three or four games, since he came back, you know, they're a different monster. Um, he's still, you know, the most electrifying talent in the league. You know, I don't care who's got the MVP right now, who's playing really well right now, who might be the front runner. LeBron is the one guy, if you look at him and say, who's going to get you to that place, you know, that championship moment where you get to compete at the highest level at the end of the season, it's LeBron. And Cleveland's got enough talent, and they're thinking whether these storms, you know, on and off the court here, get their chemistry together. Uh, you know, you'd be a fool not to put your money on LeBron James. Okay, now, you, you, you said two interesting things, though. You said get their, get their house in order and weather the storms. Uh, what are some of the storms? And one and two, do they? I don't. Virgil, I thought was a big loss because he was the tough guy. He was the dirty guy. He was the hit the floor, get to grab the loose balls. I'm not sure I see that in Kyrie, uh, Love. Uh, I you know I I think um, what's the forward that just said he was going to retire? I'm drawing a blank on his name now. Sean Marion, yeah, yeah. Marion has nothing left. I don't, I don't see it, man. I, I really, and I know what you said about Le- LeBron. I agree with you. I just don't see it. I don't see the fight in the belly, and I don't see the fire in the belly, and I don't see them at the defensive end putting forth the effort that you know Miami did with its big three. Am I wrong? Yeah, you're wrong. Okay. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, still, still mad about that hang time <laughs> joke, huh? <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> no, part of it is, you know, what you have to look at is LeBron's a different cat now. He understands that grinding the way they did in Miami took his toll on him in the postseason. Mm. And you do it year after year after year, you come to understand that it doesn't always have to be finishing first in the East or, you know, getting home court advantage if you got the right kind of team and you know how to play and turn it up come playoff time. I think LeBron's playing a little bit of possum with everybody. Um, really? Sure, he could be. Yeah, I think he could, you know, he's, he knows he could be going harder, but he watched San Antonio possum them with with a bunch of lefts and rights to the jaw last year in the finals. You right, know, after, right, right. You know, it didn't look like San Antonio had the energy and, and the gusto to, to do what they needed to do to win that championship. And I think LeBron learned from that. He understands that, hey, you know, it's okay for Tim Duncan to rest in the middle of, you know, January or Marlon Ginobili or Tony Parker to take a few weeks and really let the body heal and, and get, you know, the, the fibers, you know, warm and fuzzy. So when it comes playoff time, these guys are ready to go. They're refreshed. Their bodies aren't worn down from a grueling regular season. And you have a chance to crank it up to that next level and that next level it takes into that final level when you're playing, you know, in the four championships. So don't underestimate what they're capable of based on what you see now. Because, you know, Andy Barish, I no offense to him, but last year when Cleveland was stinking up there in the lottery, I don't remember anybody talking about him being the linchpin to a championship. Right. So I, I wouldn't go there right. with him or anybody else that was on that roster before LeBron and Love showed up. You sound like you got him in the finals. Uh, I didn't say that. <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it. You know, I'm not going to doubt him right now because, if- like I said, we've seen too much of LeBron these last few years to assume that he's going to lay down and let anybody walk over him in the playoffs. Well, if Cleveland doesn't make the finals, I mean, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention John Wall and the Washington Wizards on Dave's show. But is it the Wizards? Is it the Hawks? The Raptors? Can the Bulls get it together? Who would be the biggest obstacle for Cleveland uh, to make the finals? I don't know so much that it's the biggest obstacle 
obstacle for Cleveland. I think it, the East is wide open. Cleveland is one of several teams capable of getting there. You mentioned the others, Washington, Chicago, Atlanta, um, even Toronto. I think the Hawks right now have put themselves in a position to be the front runner until further notice. Um, but certainly any of those teams to me, you know, Chicago being the most intriguing one, not just because that's who we assume would make it there, but because of the makeup of their roster and the fact that they, they can play at that next level as well when they're healthy and their talent is all uh, on one accord. But you have to do that. You have to get on that accord. You have to do what, what I believe the Hawks are doing right now, and that's find a group of guys willing to play for the greater good and sacrifice you know, their individual glory and, and pursuits. And once you get to that point, that's when you start uh, reaping the benefits of a championship caliber team and, and playing at that level. Well, Sekou, thanks to you. This is a championship caliber radio show. Always a pleasure having you on, and I'm sure we'll be talking to you around the All-Star break, maybe a little bit after that as the season continues. Yeah, appreciate it, man. Tell Dave uh, no more vacation. When I come <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> of Fed course, cap, of man. course. Thanks, brother, man. All right, guys. All right. All right take it easy. And with that, we will be wrapping up the show when we come back from break. One, one, two, two, Don't one, two, move. Three, Dave Zirin will be right back with more Edge of Sports Radio. Edge of Sports Radio returns. Here's Dave Zirin. Boom. It's still not Dave Zirin. It's still DC Dan. It's still Coach Kevin McNutt on the mic as Dave is out. We're ending this show in respect to one of the best coaches in college basketball history, college sports history, maybe basketball history, mm-hmm. with Coach Krzyzewski. Coach K nearing in just one win away from 1,000, and I believe it is true that he will be able to set it at Madison Square Garden, mm-hmm. the same place he also broke Bob Knight's record. Yes, Very poetic in that sense. Coach K, obviously the face of Duke, the worst best school of all time, <laughs> as, as a term. I, I can't say a bad thing about Coach K. He is one of the best of all time. He's going to wholeheartedly deserve every recognition he gets for getting to 1,000 wins. I but, knew- Coach, I need to hear what you have to say. I have to hear what you have I to say. I knew you could get through it with some kind of uh, you know diss of Coach K and, and the Duke program, being a, being a Terp man. This is great. Coach K is well-deserved. He's going to get his 1,000 win. And you can say, oh, well, he's just been around forever. But no, this this man wins. He wins the right way. His players graduate. Uh, it, 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 people talk about how he hasn't been doing it with one and duns. I mean, his last championship, he had four-year seniors. Uh, Nolan Smith was on that team. So, uh, matter of fact, it's almost that when he's had one and done, he's never been able to pull it together. He hasn't because, done well with them. Right, because he's a chemistry guy. He's a system guy. Not that he's uh, inflexible and only his way or the highway. It's just that he builds teams the right way. through. He, he values chemistry and teamwork and camaraderie. I have nothing not, about He's a classy guy. Um, Where does he rank for you all time? Where is he on your uh, your college basketball you, Mount Rushmore? You, start, you, 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 you started with John Wood and the Wizard of Westwood. And then K, and then you know Bobby Knight's in there, and you got to deal with Bobby Knight's office. I can't, I can't detach that from him as a coach because he's just a repulsive cat at some things, some points. But there, you know, there you go. Start there and work down. All right, all right, and we'll see see what his team can do now. They're in the top five. Yeah, oh yeah, uh, they are missing a few things that um, that. Going all the way, it's going to be interesting. We'll talk more of that as we head toward the tournament. But uh, I'm 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 seeing a lack of depth and some issues there. It would be hard to argue against having Wooden at the top and Coach K right behind him, or arguably at the top because he's done it in the modern game. Well, Coach, that's going to do it for us. Mm-hmm. 
For Patrick Ruby, thank you so much. Also, thank you to Seku Smith for Coach Kevin McNutt and also Dave Zimmerman, the eternal vacationer. I'm DC Dan. <laughs> we are out of here. Peace. Edge of Sports Radio, where sports and politics collide. Tune in next week and go to edgeofsports.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.